We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and I am pumped to be joined by the Flyers pre- and post-game live crew, Ashlyn Sullivan, our pre- and post-game live host, and Joe Flores, our pre- and post-game live producer. The Flyers are coming off their second straight loss, the first time they've lost back-to-back games since before the holiday break. A tough one, 4-3 loss to the Kings, they never trailed in that game until the final result. Ashlyn, I'm going to ask you about the big topic off the bat. Was it a penalty on Tony D'Angelo in overtime? What did you guys think? It was interesting because I was sitting next to Scott and Al when that happened, and Al immediately said yes, and Scott immediately said no. And then we heard a wide range of opinions in our post-game show as well with Tort saying it was, and then Tony, of course, saying it was. I think – the grand scheme of things now a day removed from it is I think John Tortorella and, and Scott as well had a great point that even if it was a penalty for Tony to fall down and, and in that moment, that just, that wasn't the move, regardless of how invasive the penalty was, you have to keep going with the play in case something like that happens. So I'm sure Tony would want that back. And, and Scott was saying, when you're a player, you're always going to think it's a penalty against you, no matter what, it doesn't matter how intense it is. You're always going to be the guy that says, yeah, that happened to me. That's really great perspective. I, I, to the naked eye upstairs where I was in the press box, like right away I thought it was. I, I thought it was on Copley, the goalie. I thought he tripped him with his stick. And uh, I was like, wow, like how is that not getting called? Saw the replays, and I thought it maybe didn't look as egregious uh, on the replay. Joe, what were your thoughts? Did you, did you think initially it was a penalty? I got to tell you, I think the reason it wasn't called is because Tony oversold it. Yeah. If, if he didn't flail maybe it gets called maybe it doesn't but i i do think there was a bit of dramatics attached to it that was almost motivation to not call it and that's the way that that's why i thought it wasn't called and you know again regardless of called not called unhappy or you know not thinking it's a penalty you need to continue and get back in the play now, you could also argue, and I believe it was Al that said this, was he had been out there for the entire overtime so far. So the chances that he would have gotten back anyway are very slim. But to not make the attempt at all, one is is a rough look, and I think that contributed to the way that Torts answered the question. And two, I mean, 
there's no defense for it. Like, there's no defense for him not continuing in the play because, it, you know, whether the penalties call or not, you, you need to keep playing until until the whistle. And, uh, and that didn't happen. And, of course, you know, as soon as that happens, in a three-on-three, if you take one guy out of the lineup, I mean, you're in a really rough spot. And um, it didn't take long for them to make the – make the Flyers pay, and particularly because with Tony behind the play, you then have Konechny in the middle, and he's not a defenseman. You can kind of see him get crossed up, and he goes down. And, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't know how to defend a play, but that's not his specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that it was kind of a, a perfect mix of bad things for the Flyers that resulted in a loss. But, um I, I do think I do think the play was oversold a little bit by by Tony and um, the other thing you have to keep in mind is too and you know they, there's penalties called in overtime we see it all the time but you can't assume penalties are called in overtime like maybe you can assume in the second period or the first period um, things are called a little bit differently and you always have to be mindful that you can't afford to be behind a player, get taken out of a play when there's only three guys on the ice. And uh, all of those things combined to cost the Flyers the game essentially last night. I thought the play was going to counter regardless, like you mentioned, Joe, because the Flyers yeah. ran so deep. And that's just the nature of three on three. When you really go hard on your on your chance or your two chances, if you don't convert, very good chance the play is going to counter the other way. It did. I'm not even sure if Tony D'Angelo could have gotten back. I will say the one thing I liked what Tony D'Angelo had to say was he was very accountable accountable for his second period turnover that led to the game-tying goal at 3-3, and I thought that was good. One thing I will say, Tony D'Angelo has been accountable all season. Anytime, anytime we've talked to him after a game, practice, whether it was when he got benched, whether he's made a mistake or he wasn't very good, I feel like we've talked to him more times when he's been bad than he's been good, to be quite honest, and he's always been accountable. And he said, for a guy that's expected to move the puck the way I am, I have to get the puck out there. He had that costly turnover that led to the 3-3 goal uh, right after about eight minutes after Rasmus Ristolainen gave them the lead. And that's a pivotal turn. I mean, the Flyers are kind of in the control there. It's second later in the second period. They're up a goal. They have a chance to go into uh, second intermission with a lead. And I think at that point, they could really kind of dictate terms a little bit. Instead, they go into second intermission tied. So I, I like that D'Angelo was accountable there. Ashlyn, are you more concerned that the Flyers have lost two straight games or maybe more um, pleased that they've been in these games? Two games that they've lost, they've scored three goals in both of them, and they're in it. They're in it till the end, really. Yeah, I think it's very much the storyline of the season. I don't think we should be surprised that at some point there was going to be a bump on the road. They had a great streak going of over a month of not losing back-to-back games, but especially when you saw this point in the schedule and you saw the opponents, there was a possibility, right? And I just, I always go back to the big picture in mind because I think that's kind of drilled in our heads based on every John Tortorella media availability is he almost seemed kind of chipper last night in his post-game press conference because I think he as well sees the big picture that they took a Los Angeles Kings team that's playing really well into overtime. Would you like those to, of course, turn into wins? Yeah, but I think that's the next step is those close games then results in wins. And 
you would love these final two games before the all-star break to, to go out on a high note, but as well, these are pretty tough opponents before this break. It's funny with John Tortorella. I, I, and I've heard that he can be a spin artist, you know, he, whatever the narrative is, maybe within the fan base or the media coming up after a game, like he's going to be a contrarian. He's going to go the opposite to try to spin things and kudos to him. I guess he's known for a long time that he can do that. Joe, what did you think? Like after that game, everyone's probably ticked off about the call or the no call, excuse me. And they're also like, wow, they gut wrenching finish. And then here's Tortorella. No, I'm not going to complain about this one. (laughs) What do you think about Tortorella's tactics and how he felt after that game? Well, I do feel like that's what he's been doing all year. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, last night, everyone's asking, was it a penalty? Wasn't it a penalty? And he not only does he say it wasn't a penalty, but he essentially blows off the question almost like it wasn't even an issue in the game. Yeah. Even though it was the pivotal play in the game. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of just doesn't answer it other than to say it wasn't a penalty. And, um, now, there's also the aspect of you can't he can't go on you know and torch the referees because then he'll get fined, um, and perhaps bring negative attention in future games from the referees. So, but I do think that he's a- absolutely a spin artist um, because I feel like a lot of the storylines we follow are based on things that he says in the press conferences and things that he points out um, or that he not no pun intended retorts with <laughs> when somebody brings up a top a topic, he, he seems to do that all the time. Um, someone will say, Oh, I, what did you think about this? It seemed like this and he'll kind of throw it back at them. And then that becomes the narrative. And I feel like that's an absolutely a tactic of his, um, but I don't think it's all spin. I do think it's more of, I mean, let, let's be honest. There is definitely a, uh, I'm the hockey coach. You're not sort of tone to a lot of what he does, mm-hmm. which is fine. And it's true, but you know, and you definitely, I feel like you get more of that at the home games. Cause there's more people there asking questions. And there's more of the um, sort of like fly-by-night type of guys that are there once every five, six games that are asking questions. And maybe he has a little, I don't want to say fun, because it doesn't seem like it's fun for him, but he has a little bit, he kind of takes some liberties with the questions that they ask as opposed to those who are there every day. And... um, yeah, I mean, it, it It makes our job interesting, that's for sure. Um, you know, we uh, – was it – yeah, it was two games ago when he uh, – his – I mean, he basically didn't answer a question, said stop answering – stop asking questions you know the answer to, <laughs> and kind of just walked off the podium. And, you know, for him literally saying nothing, it was pretty entertaining. And, um, you know – we knew what we were getting when this guy got hired, and I think he's uh, he's definitely lived up to that. Very much balances the highs and lows, like he said before with his team. He that's his job. Uh, they they want to win a game, but at the same time, he needs to understand not letting guys get too high, not letting guys get too low, uh, 
focusing on the big picture with confidence and and mentality and all that. And yeah, last game, uh, two games ago, I mean, he was pretty snippy at Joe, as you alluded to. And, you know, they gave up three goals in the first period. It was a pretty dreadful first period. And he comes out and he says, I thought it was pretty good. I'm like, John, no, you guys gave up three goals. You guys fell behind in the first period, three, nothing in like the first eight minutes. It wasn't good, but I understand what he's kind of doing. Uh, maybe he's one very, very much being honest, probably felt it wasn't as bad as it looked. And then two, trying to spend things a little bit, keep his guys, you know, level and not sinking too low and, and probably wanted to highlight the positives there. Hey, we came back, made it a game. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, the Flyers have two road games to finish up before the extended break, which includes the all-star break. Ashton, what would be uh, a realistic realistic expectation here for these two road games in your mind? What, What would you like to see from the Flyers against the Wild and then a rematch with that really good Jets team? Yeah, I think my eyes are all on that that last game. That Saturday game against the Jets, I think, to get revenge basically a week later would be huge. And, and I know they're two tough opponents, but especially to go in, into that break on a high note, knowing you just lost to this team, knowing for a good bit of that game, it was really the, the Flyers shooting themselves in the foot. Three of those goals came from misplays by the Flyers against the Jets. You got to think it's a totally different game if that doesn't happen. So I would like to see them fix mistakes quickly, get a win over the Jets. Uh, that wild game on Thursday is, is a totally different topic, but I think if you can win at least one of these last two, and especially that Saturday game where you can go in with some momentum into the break, I think that would be huge. Yeah, I, that, that, that game against the Jets has my eyes too, Ashlyn, because you want to see them respond to what happened in Philadelphia a couple, you know, three, four days ago. Um, I think that could be a real barometer type of game for them. I agree. And I think they need to tighten things up defensively. It's nice they're scoring goals, but they've kind of lost their way in terms of John Torello wanting them to really be hard to play against and not have teams come down and just work them in the offensive zone. I think we've seen that far too often. It's just not a t- it's not a Tortorella trademark. And uh, their record is 17-5-5 when they score three or more goals. They've lost the last two games when they've scored three goals at home. I feel like those are games they should win at least one of them. So that, that would be something I, I think they need to show is get back to that Tortorella way of playing, p- hard to play against, make it uh, make it those low-scoring, grinded-out games. They're not always pretty, but I think that that tells me they're playing a little bit more the way Tortorella wants to play. Joe, how about you? What are you looking for in these two games before they, they go away for about eight days? Well, we had talked about two out of three would be the ideal. Yeah. But now we're talking about two straight. Um. <laughs> Might be a little much to ask. Uh, so I think if you get one of them, um, regardless of which one, that you're you're okay. Now, the Jets one, as Ashlyn mentioned, would be a little more advantageous because you can take that into the break um, and you're not playing for, what is it, nine days or so. Uh, so I think that would be better for them to win that one. I mean, of course, winning two would be the best case scenario. Um, but it is a tough pair of road games to go into the break um what you don't want to see is the last time they had a pair of tough road games going into a break was right before christmas and they got beat in toronto and carolina and outside of a stretch of the end of that toronto game they weren't really in either of those games 
So I don't. I think that's what they don't want to see, because um, those those were that those up until last night, those were the last two times they time that they lost the back to back games, and they get dominated for a lot of that Toronto game, and you know they they really weren't in the game against Carolina, and you don't want to see that. So I think that would be your your biggest thing would be to not get dominated in those games do not get beat thoroughly be in the games hopefully win one of them ideally win both of them so um that would be the way i would look at it opioid addiction is a national public health crisis the someone you know podcast from the independence blue cross foundation offers inspiring stories that challenge stigma offer hope and humanizes the disease of addiction Download the new season three of Someone You Know on all major podcast platforms. So with the All-Star break coming up next week, uh, Kevin Hayes obviously will be the Flyers representative and a break here for the Flyers, a long break. We're going to look at maybe something that needs to change for the Flyers post-All-Star break over this stretch of games here coming up. Could the Flyers make it interesting? We'll see in terms of playoff race and contention and all that fun stuff. Uh, With the big picture in mind, Ashton, if there's one thing you maybe want to see change from the Flyers, a storyline to develop over the post-All-Star break stretch, what would it be? I think especially on our pregame shows, myself, Scott, and I, we talk a lot about the progress of Joel Farabee. And I heard so much about this player when I first started with the Flyers and the potential he had. He was coming off a major surgery. And to me, it seemed like this entire year was the question mark of how he would respond. And I think especially talking with Al, Al expected by this point of the season, him really to be in an upward trend and for us to see the potential of this player. And since I've been here, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster of up and downs. And at some point of the season, you know, three game stretch, you can't take your eyes off him. And then there's some points where we don't even mention his name in post game show. So I think for a, a young player like that, that it seems like this franchise has so many eyes on, I think if you can get more consistency out of him this second half of the season, that would be huge to make everyone feel a little better about this player. Yeah, that especially given he's just starting this new deal here, uh, this big contract extension that he signed. And in that shortened season, the 56-game year in 2020-21, he led the Flyers in goals that season. And, Joe, I think you would agree with me. I thought they had a lot more talent on that team. That was a disappointing year. But they had some faces, some veteran guys uh, that I don't think anyone expected Farabee to lead them in goals. This year, he's not really up there in terms of leading the team in goals or points. And I think a lot of people thought he'd be there. Would you agree, Joe? Oh, I I think not only did we think he'd be there, we talked in the offseason about them relying on him to be that goal scorer and to be that person because of the lack of talent elsewhere on the team. And now – Travis Konechny's done a good good bit in picking up some of the slack. Owen Tippett, a few guys like that. But the, the, the fact doesn't change that the Flyers need more from Joel Farabee. And, you know, it's, it's really been a – we I mean, we heard well over a month ago now, I think, Tortorella saying that he does not want Joel Farabee using the injury as an excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, so that tells me – the coach sees that the injury shouldn't be hindering Farabee's play, but something is because this is a different player than the one we've seen in previous seasons. 
So how does he get back to that? I'm not sure. And also, he's still a young player. So, you know, guys go through, um, I mean, the term is usually sophomore slump. That wouldn't apply to Faraby, but maybe he's having it a little further down the line. And that was his first major injury. So, you know, it could be a hesitancy, sort of a hangover effect that guys have when they come back from injuries. It could could be all of those things, um, but definitely the Flyers are expecting more and need more from Faraby, that's for sure. Absolutely. And, Joe, for you, uh, post-All-Star break storyline that maybe you want to see develop here, uh, in your eyes, what would it be? I feel like in recent games, some of the aggressiveness offensively has taken a step back, um, and I, I would like to just see them go for it a little more. Um, you have the players to do it. Um uh, and when I say that, I mean, you have defensemen that can push the offense uh, as well as some of the forwards who sort of have, I don't want to say come out of their shell because I don't know any that it, we knew any of them were in a shell. <laughs> but Frost uh, is a guy that comes to mind and Tippett. Um, these are guys that they seem to be on fire scoring and then kind of not so much recently and they've taken a step back. So I'd like that to see, to see that go back to what it was because as much as I would have said it before the season was not going to be the case, them having to win in a defensive style. I feel like when this team is playing better now is when they're scoring a lot of goals. Um, So I don't think before the season we would have said, outscoring teams is going to be the recipe for this team to win. But I think in the last month, they've shown that that is the recipe for them to win. And the the defensive style on the, the hanging back is kind of put them in positions in games where one mistake costs them the game. And I don't, I don't think that that's a good place for this team to be um, going forward. So I would say to keep pushing it and kind of ratchet up the ag- aggressiveness offensively would be my uh, thing that I want to see go back to the way it was, say, two, three weeks ago. Um, and, you know, the way the way they play on the penalty kill, and we did a little breakdown of it yesterday, is kind of the way I would like to see them approach five-on-five five, is they're always looking for the op- – it's almost like being cautiously opportunistic you know, keep your responsibility, but always be looking for that opportunity to break like they do on shorthanded situations to to do that regularly and really be, you know, be ready to push the offense, ready and willing to push the offense when the opportunity is presented. It's been re- refreshing and fun to watch the penalty kill. It's not always fun to watch a team kill penalties. But it's not going to be perfect with the Flyers right now. But at least you know, like they're really entertaining, and that they they can counter quickly within the blink of a blink of an eye. And that's really fun, I think, in my mind, uh, where you you know, hey, this team could score a goal or take it the other way, uh, shorthanded. That's that's been fun for me. I, I I'm really going to have my eyes on the young players. Like I think that will be one of the more telling things going to the all season is all season is how do these young players finish? A lot of them have not played a full NHL season yet morgan frost owen tippett noah cates came york these guys have not played full seasons close to 80 something games uh in one year and 
how do they how how do their bodies hold up? How you know do they plateau? Do they plummet? Do they actually kind of rise? I think all of that will be worth watching. I think it'll be really worth watching how the how Owen Tippett and Morgan Frost fare if James Ram, Van Riemsdyk is traded at the deadline, which I think we all th- believe is a very strong possibility. He will not be here uh, come March on. Um, so how do those two players fare without a veteran on their line? Um, uh, can, can Cam York show a little bit more offensively, be more of a difference maker in that way? So that will be things that I'm keeping an eye on. How do these kids finish up in a full season and how do they take that into the off season? I think uh, will all be things I'm, I'm watching closely for sure. Well, guys, this was fun. <clears throat> this was fun. Excuse me. Uh, we'll have two more games coming up here uh, on the road. Uh, Thursday night's game is not on NBC Sports Philadelphia, so I hope you guys can maybe enjoy a little bit and watch uh, at your own leisure. And then Saturday will be on NBC Sports Philadelphia. You can catch pre- and post-game live with our very own Ashton Sullivan and produced by our very own Joe Fordyce. Guys, thank you so much. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. Can't wait to see you guys again, and we'll have plenty more to cover as we uh, get here into the All-Star break. A big thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer and guru, and Flyers fans, of course, as always. Thank you for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Rally. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and listen, and we can't wait to talk to you. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.